Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring sermons drawn from our pastoral staff and various guest preachers. starting our new summer series, and we've been calling it the Summer Packing List, Healthy Practices for Our Spiritual Journeys. Um, It's going to be a series where we look at the various practices that have been used throughout our 2,000 years of Christian history to focus and center our hearts on God's presence and mind and being. Um, One of the reasons why we're doing this this summer is because we recognize that when we're not together, sometimes it can feel like God is far away. Sometimes we struggle to connect with God if we're traveling or if our routine is off or if we just find ourselves feeling a little bit out of sorts. And so we're talking about these practices as a way to remind ourselves that no matter where we are, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what we're doing, We are only moments away from a real encounter with the living God. In addition to this sermon series, we also have a summer book read called Sacred Rhythms. You can grab that book at the office. You can order it. You can join any group of people that you are already reading with or read it on your own. But we strongly encourage you to take the opportunity this week and in the summer weeks ahead to reconsider How is God calling you to be close? And in what ways would you like to be closer to God? Today we're talking about meditation. We're going to be looking at Psalm 63. The psalmists are so wonderful in their ability to craft poetry that echoes the longing in each of our hearts to know God's presence, to be consumed by God's fire. So I invite you to join me and listening for Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. The psalmist says, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as we pray. Lord, speak your truth to us today. Ignite fire in our hearts. Draw us close into your presence and close to one another, so that as your kingdom emerges, we will not miss a thing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Maybe you've heard the old story before. Two men were once walking together in New York City at the end of a work day. 
And the sidewalks were jammed with people and noise. Tourists were meandering slowly, craning their necks to get a glance at all of the high-rises. Local residents were rushing around them, muttering, some quietly, some not, trying to get home or to their next shift or to catch a train. The streets were rammed with cars, horns blaring every few minutes. But as the two men walked, one man was talking enthusiastically to the other man as they went. When his friend, who had been listening very diligently, all of a sudden stopped and said, it's a cricket. And the man stops talking and he looks at his friend as though he's lost his mind and watches as his friend quickly moves to the edge of the sidewalk and crouches down next to a large planter and lifts up some of the foliage to point and show the man a very small cricket that had suddenly paused its chirping upon being found. How in the world did you hear that? The man exclaimed, you must have superhuman ears to hear a cricket over all of the crowds in the cars. And his friend just shrugged his shoulders and said, my ears are no different than yours. It just depends on what you're listening for. It depends on what's important for you to hear. And he said, let me, let me show you. And with that, his friend rummaged around in his pocket, took out a couple of coins, and mindlessly dropped them on the sidewalk. And when he did, both men watched, as nearly every person who was rushing around them on those sidewalks turned to glance around themselves to see if they were the ones who had dropped the money. It's nearly impossible to hear something if you're not listening for it. But if we are listening to what is important to us, then we are never going to miss it. It's a phenomenon that is present in every relationship in our lives. I don't know if you've ever had a spouse, but spouses often accuse each other of selective hearing, particularly when they're dividing chores or in their midst of a disagreement, but they're not the only ones who hear just what they want to hear. Friends, politicians, co-workers, and colleagues, we are all guilty of being selective in what we hear. I once gifted my husband a pair of socks that said, selective hearing specialist. I gave them to him as a joke. But somehow, mysteriously, those socks keep appearing in my sock drawer instead of appearing on his feet. What we call selective hearing is what psychologists call selective attention. And it, at its best, it is a wonderful skill that all of us have that we actually use all of the time. Selective attention is what allows us to have a conversation with a friend when we are in a busy restaurant. It's what allows us to read a book when we are in a crowded coffee shop or on some public transport. It's what allows us to listen to our favorite podcast while we're driving in traffic or walking the dog or going on a run. And using our skills of selective attention have really become increasingly more important in the last several decades because technology has continued to increase at a pace that is difficult for us to keep up with. <coughs> 
constantly bombarding our attention with more and more each and every day. We live in what people call now an attention economy, where each of us recognize that we have a finite amount of attention and where advertisers and companies and organizations where everyone is clamoring to have as much of our attention as possible because they know that the more of our attention they have, the more important to us they will become. They know that the more of our attention we ha- they have, the more power they will have over us. But study after study shows us that this attention economy is taking a toll on our mental wellness. Did you know that 20 years ago, the average person maintained two and a half minutes of focused attention on a screen task before switching tasks? And by 2012, that time span had shrunk from two and a half minutes to 72 seconds. And then when they measured it again in 2021, it had shrunk down even more to 47 seconds, not even a full minute worth of attention. And worst yet, do you know that after every interruption, even if we are the ones who are interrupting ourselves to do something else, it takes our brain 25 minutes to recalibrate and to regain its focus yet again. This shortening of our attention, these interruptions that we have made normal, that we have created for ourselves, that we don't think twice about imposing upon others, it causes us to struggle in ways that maybe we're aware of and maybe we're not. It causes us to struggle with our focus. It raises our anxiety and stress. Every time we change our attention from one thing to another, it takes a toll on our brain which in turn leads us to make more errors and mistakes that we would otherwise not make. Attention switching causes our blood pressure to rise, our heart rate to quicken. It leaves us feeling fatigued. Friends, our attention is precious. But as time and technology march on, we have developed a tendency to treat our attention as though it was an endless resource, as though there would always be more of it when it's not. Because, my friends, our attention is limited and precious. And if we're not careful about who or what we give our attention to, then we can easily find ourselves feeling empty and unfulfilled, distracted and lonely. Christian author Richard Foster worded it this way over 30 years ago. He said, in contemporary society, our adversary, the one of evil, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. And if he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. As psychiatrist Carl Jung once said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Friends, our attention is very, very precious. 
Which is why God longs for our attention because it is one of the most valuable things that we have to offer anyone. No doubt that's why God asks for humanity's attention over and over and over again throughout Scripture. In the Garden of Eden, everything starts with Adam and Eve talking with God and God talking with them until the day that Adam and Eve started to pay God no attention by eating the fruit. Even after that fall, God continued to reach out to his creation, to his children, reminding them and us of God's love, beckoning for the attention of both Cain and Abel, beckoning for the attention of Noah and Abraham. Scripture even says that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But Scripture also notes that the people of Israel didn't want to pay attention to God. They say to Moses in Exodus, You speak to us and we will hear, but let not God speak to us lest we die. One commentator thought that maybe they had some awareness of just how risky it could be to give your full attention to the God who can direct anywhere and anything. All the same, it began this long tradition of this long line of prophets and judges who would pay attention to God while the people turned their backs on God and where the prophets and judges would do their best to split their attention between God and the people. It just never worked. And friends, that's exactly why Jesus came. After generations of people not paying attention to God, Jesus came to show us how to do it again, to show us the way again, to teach us once again up close, as God did to Moses, about how how God thinks, about what God values, about how God moves. Jesus came to teach us how to pay attention to God once again. Because, friends, It's not just that God longs for your and my attention. It's also that we need our attention to be on God too. Because it's not good for us to split our attention into hundreds of little shards. We do much, much better when we sustain our attention in one place. Now, no one words our need to pay attention to God more beautifully or more compellingly than the psalmists or than the psalm that we read today. The psalmist says, oh God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked for you. I have looked to give you my attention in the sanctuary, beholding in your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than even life. That is the kind of attention that God is longing for, and even more, that is the kind of attention that does us well. 
When we focus our attention and steady our gaze upon God, we are centering our attention on that one source of all life, of all hope, of all joy. When we focus our attention on God, there is no need for us to be whipping our heads around, hungrily searching from place to place for all of the things that we desire for power, for love, for satisfaction. When we focus our attention on God, on just one place, on just one face, we will find all that we are looking for. Throughout the 2,000 years of Christianity, this practice of paying attention to God, it's been called meditation. And when we talk about Christian meditation, we aren't necessarily talking about the emptying ourselves or detaching ourselves from the world around us in the way that Eastern religions often emphasize. We're not necessarily talking about humming or repeating mantras with our palms open to the sky, although there's nothing wrong with those practices. When we talk about Christian meditation, we are talking about one simple thing, about intentionally directing our attention at God, refusing distraction, and refusing diversion. So if prayer is the practice of us talking to God, then meditation is the practice of listening to God. When we practice Christian meditation, we are not talking about emptying or detaching. We are doing quite the opposite. We are talking about listening about filling our hearts with God's presence and about connecting meaningfully with the eternal. We are talking about intentionally selecting God as the only one to receive our attention. Richard Foster words it this way. He says, Christian meditation, very simply, is the ability to hear God's voice and obey God's word. It's that simple. He says, I wish I could make it more complicated for those who like things difficult. It involves no hidden mysteries, no secret mantras, no mental gymnastics, no esoteric flights into the cosmic consciousness. Friends, it just requires us to actively choose to pay attention to God in the moments where everything and everyone else in the world is promising us that they are the ones who are more worthy of our attention. That's all it is. Friends, in this world that we live in, we have a 24-hour news cycle that talks on and on and on. We live in a world where social media streams and cycles through lightning speeds on platform after platform. We live in a world where having someone's attention means having some control over how they think and what they think about. So friends, we in this world have a choice as to whether we participate in that attention whiplash or whether we steady our focus on God. And I really want you to hear me when I say this, my friends. It is a choice. Focusing on God isn't going to happen in our lives accidentally. We're not just going to wake up one day and be like, wow, I focused on God. No interruptions. Wow. Whether it's crickets or coins, whether it's love or outrage, whether it's hope or despair, 
it's nearly impossible to hear something if you're not listening to it. But if we are listening to what's important to us, we will never, ever miss it. Amen. You have been listening to a production of San Marino Community Church. Find our worship services on YouTube or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Spotify.